grateful for Dan Wells being here, providing that music, worship pastor for the Orchard Evangelical Free Church. Uh, the lead pastor for the Orchard is Colin Smith, who will deliver the message for us tonight. Um, pastor Colin is from uh, Scotland originally, served as a pastor in London before coming to the Orchard in 1996 uh, with his wife, Karen, who's also with us this evening. Um, you can find Colin's teaching ministry on Moody Radio or OpenTheBible.org. Uh, he's a council member of the Gospel Coalition and the author of s- several worthwhile books. But his ministry it, it, and, and my appreciation, our appreciation of that is more personal uh, than that for both uh, Logan and me in the different times that uh, Logan and I studied at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. I in the late 90s, early 2000s, Logan in the middle 2000 teens, each of us were uh, under Collins' ministry uh, there in Arlington Heights and then in their um, multiple con- congregations as well. Uh, I, could, I could take time to share my own stories and my own appreciation, but this is, this is Logan's night, and I want to say a little bit more about Logan. He went through a special program of uh, ministry training at the Orchard that was supplemental to his education at Trinity. He served as an intern at their Itasca location, and Michelle also worked in the office at the Arlington Heights location. And when we were looking for an associate pastor and we saw on Logan's resume that it included his experience at the Orchard, that captured our interest right away. Um, Colin, I would never have dreamed that we would be blessed to have you here. That's very personal and I'm very thankful. I'm very grateful that Logan had the boldness to ask <laughs> and that you had the kindness to accept uh, the invitation. Thank you for your commitment, not just to the church that you serve, but in blessing many churches beyond your own. Uh, we are part of that picture to the glory of God. So would you welcome Colin with me? Oh, thank you, Bruce, so much. It, it really is a joy uh, to be here with all of you in Mount Morris tonight. It really is. Um, how can it be more than 20 years, Bruce and Katie, since you came here? But God has blessed you, and I suppose seeing your son, your youngest son, sitting beside you, I guess that proves <laughs> it is more than 20 years since God in his kindness brought you here. And we have had that connection through all of these years. And then, of course, it was so wonderfully strengthened and, and increased, Logan and, and Michelle, uh, when you came here. Logan, I can remember absolutely clearly where I was parked in my car when you called me and told me about this opportunity opening up and the conversation that was taking place between you and the leaders here at Mount Morris, and how wonderfully God has blessed. We rejoiced in a profound sense that God was in this, that He was opening the door. And now we look back these years later and rejoice and celebrate with both of you uh, tonight and acknowledge the Lord has done this, and it is marvelous uh, in uh, our eyes. So this is a very special place Uh, It was a no-brainer when you invited us that uh, we would want to be here, and it is a privilege and a joy to be able to share this time uh, with you. Now, Logan, I want to give you one verse of Scripture, 
but I'm going to read the passage from which it comes, and that is Revelation in chapter 3, and it's the last of the letters to the churches. I'm going to read from Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14 through to verse 22. So, let us hear the Word of God. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. And here's the verse. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my Father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, Christ says. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. Why would Christ be knocking? Um, Jesus is the sovereign Lord of power and glory, and closed doors never stand in his way. Uh, after the resurrection, uh, the disciples had barred the door to the house where they had gathered because of fear of the authorities. But you remember, a barred door was no obstacle to the risen Lord Jesus Christ. He was just there with them immediately in their presence. The Lord Jesus Christ can bar through any door at any time of his choosing, right? He absolutely can. But here we find him standing knocking at a door. Why is he knocking? Well, the answer is in the verse, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. The Lord Jesus Christ is seeking fellowship. He's seeking communion with his own people. And he's knocking because obviously fellowship cannot be forced. Communion cannot be commanded. 
a door must be opened for the Lord Jesus Christ to come in. Now, you're probably wondering, why on earth would this man choose a verse that's usually associated with an evangelistic campaign for the ordination service of Logan Murphy? Well, it seems likely to me that this verse was first written to a pastor. Think about it. The letter is addressed to the angel of the church at Laodicea. Now, who was the angel of the church at Laodicea? Uh, I don't think, by the way, it was someone in the choir who had a particularly beautiful voice. I don't think that's what it was. What is meant by the angel? Well, Logan, you know well, the word that is translated here as angel is literally the word that can also be translated with messenger. And there's a long tradition in the church that recognizes that these seven letters to the churches in Revelation were addressed to pastors, that is, to the messengers who brought the Word of God to the people of God. And of course, the messages, the letters, were for the whole church. We rightly refer to them as the letters to the seven churches, but, but someone had to receive the letter. Someone had to be the person who stood up and read the letter to the rest of the congregation. And it seems most likely that the person who received the letter and then who read the letter to the congregation would have been the pastor. Now, here's an interesting question. What kind of person do you think the pastor at the church of Laodicea was? Now, we don't know, but I think we could have a reasonable guess for this reason. It's often the case that the spiritual life of a congregation reflects the spiritual life of its pastor. Over time, what's important to the pastor becomes important to the congregation. And what's neglected by the pastor over time tends to be neglected by the people as well. So, when I read this letter, I suspect that the pastor of the church at Laodicea was neither hot nor cold. I suspect. I imagine that he was a somewhat self-sufficient man who felt that he had what he needed in order to do the job that he'd been called to do. Perhaps he had at least thought, if not said, I have what it takes. I'm able to do this job. I need nothing. So, I want you to try and imagine this pastor in a small town, probably not too unlike Mount Morris, and he receives a letter from the Apostle John. And this letter is actually the word of the living, risen Lord Jesus Christ, and in it, Jesus Christ is speaking directly to him. Can you imagine this? His hand must have trembled as he opened the letter or as he pulled apart the scroll, whatever it was. What does the risen Lord Jesus Christ have to say to me? And then the pastor at Laodicea reads these words. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he 
with me. Now, of course, there is a wonderful and profound sense in which the Lord Jesus Christ is always with his people. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. But there is also in the Bible a very profound sense in which Christ draws near to his people, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And here you have the Lord Jesus Christ himself drawing near to a pastor, and he says, I'm knocking at the door. I want to come in. I want to commune with you, pastor, but you must open the door for me to come in. Now, here's the message that I want to give to you, Logan, on the occasion of your ordination and the words that I want to bring for us all. May it be that your ministry for the rest of your life will be one of opening the door to Jesus. Logan Murphy, opening the door to Jesus. And I want to exhort you, my dear brother, to do that in three specific ways. The first is that you open the door to Jesus in your own life. The Word of God comes to a congregation through the ministry of a pastor. What happens is that the pastor receives the Word of God, he absorbs it into his own life, he feels the weight of it in his own soul. He's convicted by it. He's burdened by it. He's strengthened by it. He's blessed by it. And then he brings what has come to him, and he brings it to the people of God. So before you ever ask the question, what does God have to say to them? Ask the question, what is it that God has to say to me? Remember, that before Christ called you to pastoral ministry, Logan, he called you to follow Jesus. And in order to sustain a lifetime of ministry, you have to sustain a lifetime of following the Lord Jesus Christ. You are called to be an example of the life of faith and hope and love that is possible for a person who walks with God. What that means is that your whole life has to be characterized by opening the door to the Lord Jesus Christ. Every day of your life, Lord Jesus Christ, come in. Lord Jesus Christ, commune with me because I want to commune with you. And be encouraged by the promise of this verse if anyone opens the door, Jesus says, I will come in. Think about this, how wonderful it is. Every day of your life, Logan, the Lord Jesus Christ, say, Logan, want to come in today? And you're going to be opening the door, and Jesus says to you, I will come in. Your ministry will be an overflow of your own communion with the Lord Jesus Christ. So don't ever allow yourself to be in the place of thinking for one moment, you know, I'm just too busy today to make room for the Lord Jesus to come in. You, you'd never want to be in that place. And don't ever allow yourself to get into the place that I guess the pastor at Laodicea got into, 
which was to think that you actually have what it takes to be the pastor. I expect that the pastor at Laodicea was a really gifted man. Probably had to be to get a church like that, you know. Um, I expect that he could speak. I expect that he could organize. I expect that he could develop a ministry plan and motivate the people and all the rest of it. Perhaps over time he came to feel that he had what it took to do the job and Jesus was increasingly left on the outside. Don't ever let that happen to you. Open the door to Jesus in your own life, day by day, and that will be the fountain from which your sustained ministry flows, your own communion with Christ knocks on the door and says, I want to come in. Second thing, Logan, open the door to Jesus in your preaching. You know, as I've pondered this, it's actually a beautiful picture that Jesus knocking on the door is a wonderful image of what happens through the preaching of God's Word. Preaching is a means by which Christ knocks on the door of people's hearts. And when you have the privilege of speaking from the Word of God, think of it this way, your privilege and your call is to open the door so that the Lord Jesus Christ himself can come in. And that is why the Apostle Paul, of course, says we proclaim him. That's why Spurgeon said, wherever I am in the Bible, I beat a path to the cross, because what's the point of preaching? Whether you're preaching to youngsters or in a gathering like this, what's the point of it? It's to open the door to Jesus. That's what it is. Spurgeon said on one occasion to one of his students, what good do you think your sermon would ever do if Jesus Christ is not in it? And that, I think, is just an unanswerable question. When you're preparing, Logan, keep this picture in your mind. The Lord Jesus Christ knocking on the door and saying, Logan, can I get into your sermon? <laughs> um, open the door and let him in. Open the door to Jesus in your preparation. And when you preach, Jesus will come in. And that's what all the people want. That's what we want, isn't it? We want that through the opening of the word of God, Jesus will come in. And we'll experience his presence. And he will sup with us. And we with him. And let me just say this word of encouragement to all of us as, as a congregation. Uh, you know, your pastors, uh, Bruce and Logan, they're, if I can change the picture here, they're like chefs. They're, they're, they're working in the kitchen to prepare a meal of spiritual nourishment for your soul week after week after week, and, and you must bring the appetite. And you know what? Congregations have appetites for different things. And you know that some congregations, all they have is an appetite to be entertained. Others, all they have is an appetite to be affirmed. But some have a great hunger and thirst for the Lord Jesus Christ. Congregations tend to get what they want, and the fact that you have called Bruce 
and Logan to serve as your pastors here says a great deal of good about the appetite in this congregation. Thank God for it. May you always have a great hunger for Jesus Christ, who is the bread of life. So open the door to Jesus in your own life. Open the door to Jesus in your preaching. And then thirdly and lastly, open the door to Jesus in your pastoral ministry. Logan, as you know, one of the great privileges and joys of pastoral ministry is that you get to walk with people in all circumstances of life. And your particular role in pastoral ministry is to open the door for Jesus to come in. Um, the congregation that I serve in uh, Arlington Heights uh, has been serving the Lord there for, for 70 years, and uh, 40 years ago, uh, our building was destroyed by fire. Um, folks who've been there a long time uh, will say, were you there before the fire, or were you there? That was the defining kind of moment in the early 1980s. It was a terrible thing. It was an arson attack, and it was quite devastating. It left the people reeling from how could such a thing possibly have happened? It was terrible. Pastor Ted Olson, who Bruce and Logan both know very, very well, was the senior pastor at the time, and he told me what the lay leaders said to him after the fire. Pastor, we can restore the building. We need you to tell us why. A fascinating comment. Now, no pastor should ever be expected to explain the mysteries of evil and of suffering. But what God's people need from their pastors, especially in the hardest time, is help in discerning where the hand of God is at work. And as a pastor, Logan, you can help your people to know the presence of Jesus through your prayers. You can show them how Jesus is at work through your counsel. It's a wonderful thing to open the door to Jesus, to show people Jesus in your pastoral ministry. And one more thing here, remember that Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep, and you and I are both very privileged to be under-shepherds of the flock of God. We represent the Lord Jesus Christ, and we minister in his name. What that means is, because you minister in his name, your presence will bring the presence of Jesus. Your compassion will convey the compassion of Jesus. Your patience will show the patience of Jesus. And at times your rebuke will also be a needed rebuke from Jesus. As you visit a person in a home or in a hospital, as you sit down with a person in your office, make it your prayer in that conversation as it opens that this will be a conversation that opens a door to Jesus. 
So take encouragement, my dear brother, from this wonderful verse. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Logan, please settle this thought in your mind. Your calling is to open the door so that Jesus may come in. May you, dear brother, daily open the door to Jesus in your own life so that the presence of Jesus may be seen in you. May your preaching open the door to Jesus so that your people experience his presence as you open up the word of God. May your pastoral ministry open the door to Jesus so that Christ may come in and minister to those who are placed under your care. Logan Murphy, opening the door to Jesus. May that be, dear brother, your life and your ministry, because as it is, others will be blessed, because as you open the door, the Lord Jesus Christ himself will come in. Father, we pray that this may be the wonderful, continuing reality of Logan's life and ministry, and that all of us may be marked by it too. Thank you that you seek communion with us. Make it true of us that we open the door to Jesus. For these things we ask in the Savior's name. Amen. Amen.